Welcome to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. I'm Erin, pediatric sleep consultant and founder of The Happy Sleep Company. From catnaps to night wakes and regressions to teething, we cover all things baby sleep. With a passion for children's sleep, we're here to help tired families get healthy rest. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. It's your favorite day of the week. Okay, I'm kidding. I don't assume that this is your favorite day of the week, but if you like our podcast, I hope this is one of your favorite times of the week where you can sit down and listen to Q&A Tuesday because that's what today is. Top five questions of the week. I have pulled them out of honestly, mostly my DM box on Instagram. Sometimes it's from questions from clients that I get these, but most of the time it's from the many, many questions that I get on Instagram from our awesome followers about their baby's sleep. So I pull out the top five of the week and cover them every other week in our podcast so that hopefully you can get some nuggets in there that will help you with some things that maybe you're struggling with right now when it comes to your baby's sleep. So let's get started with today's questions. First one, If a child has a shorter nap than usual, do you shorten the wake window before the next nap? That's a great question. That's a question I get all the time. So short answer is no. No, I would not generally shorten the wake window before the next nap because as much as you think it might be necessary, you're probably just going to end up with the next nap being difficult as well because the baby didn't have enough sleep pressure. You would be surprised at how much a baby can get enough of a restorative sleep from even a short nap to not be tired enough for their next nap until they've had a full wake window. So if your child has a shorter nap than usual, I would normally try to keep them up for a full wake window until you put them down for their next sleep. However, if you're like, no, Aaron, sorry, but my child just had a 30 minute nap and he is bonkers overtired and he cannot make it all the way to the end of this wake window, then I would say, okay, let's do 15 minutes less than normal, but let's not do more than that. Let's not go more than 15 minutes earlier than you would normally have put your child down for his next nap. So that way we split the difference a little bit. We make sure he's not super overtired, but we actually do make sure that your child has enough sleep pressure for the next nap. Next question. My child consistently sleeps through the night and takes good naps, but is always awake around 5.45 or 6 a.m. every day. Any way to stretch this? Let's talk about something here. And it's what actually constitutes an early morning wake up. I would suggest that for most babies and toddlers, especially those who sleep through the night, they're ready to be up and start their day anytime past about 6 a.m., I know as adults, we would prefer that that looked more like 7 a.m., but it's just not the biological norm for most young babies and toddlers. They're up, ready to start the day anytime past about 6. If your child is consistently waking up around 6 or very close to that, like this child is in this question, I would call it a win. If your child goes to sleep independently, has good naps, sleeps all the way through the night like this child, and wakes up around 6 a.m. every day, I would be very hesitant to change anything because we risk changing something to add a little bit of time onto the morning, but then potentially seeing that backfiring and having more issues with night wakes because we're trying to mess with the day's schedule and it causes problems with your child's nights or suddenly having problems with naps because we've tweaked a schedule that was otherwise very good for your child. So I would really just try to stick with it if your child is waking up around 6 a.m. If it's a little earlier, I would still not really tend to tweak anything. If it's later than 6, I definitely wouldn't tweak anything. 
If you find that your child is consistently waking up at like 5, 5.15, maybe 5.30 every day, there could be something else going on. We do have a blog post at thehappysleepcompany.com all about early morning wake-ups. And again, when I say early morning wake-ups, I mean like 5, 5.15 every day, not 6. 6 is good. 6 is a win. So you can check out that blog post if you are seeing really early morning wake-ups consistently every day to figure out some other ways that you might combat this and some other reasons that might be happening. But 6 a.m. is good. Next question is about wake windows again. Does the wake window start when my baby wakes up or when I actually get him out of the crib? Sometimes my baby will chat happily to himself for 20 minutes while I get myself ready for the day. The wake window starts when your baby wakes up, not when you get your baby out of the crib. Sure, if your baby will happily chat to himself for 20 minutes while you get some time to yourself and you're good with that, that's great. But we want to remember that your baby is already getting tired again. You're already eating into their wake window as soon as they wake up. So keep that in mind when you're calculating the wake window. I would suggest that it starts when your baby wakes up, not when you get him out of the crib. You also have to keep in mind that if your baby has quite a short wake window, for example, if you have a 15-week-old His wake window is only about an hour and 15 minutes, maybe an hour and a half. So if we're letting him chat to himself in his crib for 20 or 30 minutes, we're really eating into that wake window. And if we're trying to focus on a schedule of wake, eat, play, sleep, we're really going to start to run out of time to get the feeding in, the diaper change, a little playtime before we need to be respecting that wake window and getting him down for another sleep. So especially if your child is quite young and has really short wake windows, I'd be careful about how long you leave him chatting in the crib so you're not eating too far into his wake window. But short answer to that question, wake window starts when baby wakes up, not when you actually get him out of the crib. Next question. Hi Erin, I have a question for you. My son is two years and five months old. He was fully sleep trained. Recently he got covid And I monitored him throughout the night by staying in his room until he fell asleep. Now he's recovered, but what do we do when he won't sleep by himself anymore? He cries for hours asking me to stay until he sleeps. Any recommendations? That's so tough. I'm sorry to this mama to hear that her babe is so upset during the night. And it can sometimes be really tough to get back on track after an illness. can be really easy to get off track during an illness. So... If you have gotten off track because of an illness, because you went on a vacation and ended up co-sleeping during the vacation and now your child is home and wants to sleep in your bed all the time, these are common reasons why I see sleep go off track if sleep does go off track after sleep coaching. doesn't have to. There are ways to keep it on track. We can talk about that in another episode. But for the purposes of this question, how do we get them back on track? This child already went through sleep coaching. This mom said that this child was fully sleep trained. So whenever a family tells me that they had previously sleep trained their child and then something happened like an illness, a vacation, some kind of regression, and they got way off track and now the child won't fall asleep by themselves, my answer is really do what you did before. If you've already done sleep coaching, if you've already got a strategy in place that you like, that you know, that you're comfortable with, and that you felt worked really well for your child the first time you tried it, then I would suggest if you've gotten on off track, get back on track with what you used before. Go back to your basics with whatever sleep coaching method you used and you liked and worked for you and do it over again. 
You know that's what you're comfortable with. You know your child responded to it well. So start over with what you did in the past to get him sleep trained in the first place. And you should get right back on track with great sleep after this situation that's caused this regression. Last question for today. Hey, Erin, can you do a chat on Instagram about the grow clock? We are starting to introduce it and want to get it right. Thank you. So I won't chat about it on Instagram. I'll chat about it here on the podcast. Maybe I'll chat about it on Instagram too. We'll see. If I do, we'll save it in a highlight. So go check out the Happy Sleep Company and see if there's a highlight there if you need more information. But for the purposes of the podcast, let's talk a little bit about the grow clock. It doesn't have to be the grow clock. What we're talking about here is a wake up clock. So the grow clock is one version of that. There's also a popular one called the hatch. There are a number of different versions of wake up clocks that parents really like. The idea of it is for older toddlers and preschoolers to help them understand when it's time to be going to sleep and when it's okay to get up for the day. So in the case of the grow clock, as an example, you set it together with your child every night when you put them to bed. And when you set it, the clock turns blue and a star comes up. And that is the indication to your child that it's time to be in bed quietly going to sleep. I.e., it is not time to be asking for more stories, more songs, more sips of water, and all of the other things that preschoolers ask for when we put them to bed. And it stays blue with a star up throughout the night. And when it's okay to get up for the day, which is whatever time you have set it for as the parent, it turns yellow and the sun comes up. And that gives your child a visual representation that it is now time to get up and start the day and it's okay to get up and make noise. So here are the top tips with the wake up clock. Make sure your child is old enough to understand it. This is usually not until a minimum of two and a half years old and honestly closer to three, even three and a half for most children. The older your child is, the higher their comprehension level is, the more they will understand the concept of the grow clock and not just understand the concept of the clock, but also be able to be reasoned with, with some age appropriate rewards and consequences if they're not listening to the clock. So make sure your child's actually old enough. Get a clock that you like, research it, make sure you understand how to use it and it's something that you feel is feasible for your family. The hatch, I know, can be run from your smartphone, so a lot of families like that. The grow clock is very simple to use, a lot of families like that about it. So make sure you get one that you feel suits your family well. And then be really, really consistent about what you do when you implement it. You need to explain to your child in simple language that they will understand what the purpose of the clock is and be ready to know what you're really going to be comfortable doing if your child doesn't listen to the clock. I would say that's the big key. A lot of families will introduce the clock and say, okay, kiddo, the clock is blue. It's time to be in bed. Make sure you're in bed and quiet until the clock is yellow in the morning. And then five minutes after the parents leave the room at bedtime, the child is up running around in the hallway yelling, asking for more things. So clearly this child did not listen to the clock because the clock is blue and he is not in bed and he is not quiet. So now the parents have to figure out, well, we put in this idea of the clock, we've set a boundary with this clock and the boundary is being tested. So you need to decide what you're comfortable with and how you're going to manage the boundary testing if you make a rule about the clock and the rule is not followed or the boundary is tested. This is where when I am working with an older child, with anyone, when anyone on our team is working with a child who's two and a half, three and beyond, and we're using a wake up clock, we really have a conversation with the family about age appropriate rewards and consequences. And that's something that the family has to decide what 
makes sense for their individual child. What does their child respond well to? What kind of rewards do they respond well to? If they succeed at something, they follow a rule, they test a boundary, but are reminded of the rules and then they have a good night's sleep. What are the kind of age appropriate rewards that we could think about to show them that they did a great job listening to the rules around this clock? Or what do we consider an age appropriate consequence if we've all agreed on the new boundaries around the clock, but then those aren't respected and we're up all through the night or we're up for an hour past our bedtime yelling when we'd all agreed we were going to stay in bed because the clock was blue. These are the things you want to decide before you start using a wake up clock. So you're prepared if the boundary is tested and then the clock still means something to your child because it's not just we made the boundary, I tested the boundary, and then the clock went out the window. The whole idea of the clock just went out the window and we stopped using it right away. That's where I would say things go sideways with a wake-up clock because we didn't have a plan in mind earlier before starting to use it about what we were going to do if it didn't click right away. So those are the ideas around the wake-up clock. There is also a blog post on the website about that with some additional information. So you can check that out at thehappysleepcompany.com. Thanks everyone for listening to this week's episode. I hope it was helpful. Feel free to shoot me a DM on Instagram and I can respond to you there or I can talk about your questions in stories on Instagram or I will perhaps include them in an upcoming episode of Q&A Tuesday on Sleep Cues, the Everything Baby Sleep Podcast. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Sleep Cues, the Everything Baby Sleep Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with a mom or dad who might need some rest. Connect with us on Instagram at The Happy Sleep Company, and check out our website, thehappysleepcompany.com, for loads of blogs, sleep guides, and information about how we work with families one-on-one to get sleep on track.